The deeper Christian life is no deeper than that of the clear teaching of God's Word. It is not a mystery withheld from anyone, but made known to all who will listen and obey. Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life. May Christ lead you deeper into Himself today as together we explore God's Word. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. We begin by reading Revelation chapter 20, verses 12 and 15. And I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And anyone not found in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Here we have two separate kinds of books that are referred to. One, the book of life, only records names. The other books record deeds, actions. Those whose names are in the book of life are there not because of good deeds, no. Their names remain in the book of life on the basis of their faith in Christ, who is life eternal, who died and rose again for our sins and our salvation. The question is, is your name in that book? What a wonderful gift. But oh, how profoundly tragic if this gift is never received. It is the ultimate balance of judgment at the end of the ages. Just that. But here we read something else. They're not simply judged by whether their name is in that book of life, but they're judged by the books. What does that mean? Well, here it says here, the dead were judged according to the works by the things which were written in the books. Now, we're not judged by our works to determine whether we'll go into eternal life or into the lake of fire. No, that judgment rests upon whether our name is written in the book of life. If our name is in that book of life, we are ushered an entrance into the kingdom of God and to heaven, the glorious heaven. If our name is not in that book, we are cast into the lake of fire along with the devil and all his demons. But the agonies and sufferings of the lake of fire are not the same for all. The Lord Jesus Himself spoke of a judgment to be revealed that indicates that some will suffer more than others and some will suffer less. He speaks of individuals who will receive many lashes and individuals who will receive less lashes. He says that it will be worse for some cities and some places in the day of judgment than for other cities and other places. And, well, the books are all going to be opened up in order to determine the degree of punishment in that place. The question here is not the length of the time to be served. There's no release. This is a place of unending confinement. But there still is a judgment for all of your deeds. Men are accountable. They are responsible for their actions and for their thoughts. Listen to Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these, God will bring you into judgment. Numbers 32, 23 says simply this. Be sure your sins will find you out. God's books reveal the record of your life. We are free moral agents. We can choose what we want, but God reminds us that there is a day of accounting. God reminds us that we are responsible for our actions. 
God will not accept the plea of some behavioral determinism. We are under the control and dictates of our own rebellious, willful, self-gratifying hearts. God will take us to account. This judgment takes into account all the facts of our thoughts and our deeds. You know, all of us have a tendency, by the way, we do this even when we justify ourselves before ourselves and when we stand before the bar of our wives or our family members. We all tend to rewrite our histories and tilt the accounts to our advantage. But here is a day of true history, the true history of mankind, when everything is replayed, the true history of every individual life. Here, all of the secret springs of motivation in our hearts will be completely and totally made known and we will have to reckon with them and answer to them. Here, all the different adulterous thoughts that have crossed our minds, all the murderous contempt that we've left unspoken, all the things that have clouded us and shrouded us will come before us and we will discover in that moment that God knew it all. He knew everything. And we'll also discover this. All these things that have passed by us seemingly without any consequence, as if God didn't care, He did. He was watching. He knew. He was taking account. He was not indifferent. He was marking it all out for judgment and for wrath. There will be no escape. None. Let's look at these books for just a moment and make one other thought here. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, we are told of the possibility that a person's name can be blotted out from the book of life. Actually, in Psalms 9.5, we're again reminded that God blots out people's names from the book of life or the book of the living. This gives us the idea that all the names of everyone who was ever brought into the world has their name at one point in time recorded in the book of life. And that these names are blotted out because of the rejection and refusal to worship God. And so it's blotted out. At the same time, listen to this. Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 5 and Acts chapter 3 verse 19 refer to the possibility that the record of our sins, the things that we do, the things that are being recorded up in God's books, that the record of our sins can be blotted out before God. Psalm 103 verse 12 speaks of it another way. It says that when we're forgiven, God takes our sins and He removes them from us as far as the east is from the west. It's a wonderful thought. If I start heading south, you know, at some point in time, I'm going to start heading north. But if I start heading east, I never head west. East and west never meet. God removes them completely from the record. He withdraws them from His remembrance. We're told He blots them out. Our sins, our iniquities are blotted out. Do you see what this means? It means that these books are changed. Somebody messes with the books. God does. He changes them. If you do not trust in Christ, if you are not made righteous in Him through your faith in Jesus Christ alone, your name is blotted out from the book of life and your sins and your actions stay on the record in the books that record your deeds. But if you trust in Jesus Christ, if you're made righteous in Him by faith, your name remains in the book of life, but the record of all your sins 
are blotted out from the books that record the deeds of men. They're blotted out. They're gone. Which would you rather have? What do you want in the books in the last day? Where do you want your name? What do you want to be recorded of your actions? Praise God through Jesus Christ. My name can stand in the book of the living. and My deeds can be blotted out under the precious ink of His own blood shed for my sin. The great white throne determines all these things. Following the judgment, there is a sentence. Verses 14 and 15. Then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. The second death here is equal to this final casting into the lake of fire. Revelation 20 verse 10 gives us the idea of the duration of this death. In the same chapter, we have an idea of the duration of the sentence that will be passed upon all those who are cast in the lake of fire. There it describes Satan's last judgment and God's final sentence against him. It says, The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they are tormented night and day, or day and night, forever and ever. Satan and his demonic cohorts go in first to suffer forever there in the lake of fire. But, interestingly enough, they are not the last to be judged. The last judgment is saved for unrepentant, wicked, sinful people. People follow them into this place of judgment. Let's go up a few verses more from verse 10 there. speaks of a resurrection for the righteous into eternal life. I believe that that actually happens at a different moment in time than the resurrection that people have at this moment of time before the great white throne. But there it speaks of this resurrection and it says this, Blessed and holy is he who has a part in the first resurrection over such the second death has no power. The second death doesn't come upon them. The second death that's being cast into the lake of fire, being judged finally and completely for your sins. You know, it is reasonable for us to fear dying. At the end of our years, we have an instinctual and right recoil from the thought of our physical deaths. That dying is the first death. Hebrews 9.27 talks about it. It says, it has been appointed unto every man to die. And it's reasonable to have some reasonable fear, some instinctive survival instinct, fearing that death. But the Bible teaches us that that's not the death we're supposed to fear. That's not the one that we're to be afraid of. In fact, the Lord Jesus teaches us it's not the first death we're to fear, it's the second one. In Matthew chapter 10, 28, the Lord Jesus said this to his disciples, teaching us which death we're supposed to fear. He says, do not fear those who can kill the body. There's the first death, but cannot kill the soul. But rather fear him who sits on the great white throne, who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Fear the second death. You won't avoid it. The age is crashing to an end. and There's nothing you can do about it. It will happen. You cannot work your way from it by your good deeds or by your status in life. All those things will be nothing and meaningless. And the conclusion that is drawn from it, should your name not be written in the book of life, is on the basis of your deeds only to determine the extent and the depth, and the intensity, 
of your unending agony in the lake of fire. God is just and man is responsible. Let's draw some conclusions from all this. I want to make four conclusions to you. How do you sum up this morning of this dreadful consideration? Well, the first one is this. I think this is just the most basic and simple and it's good practical application for our day and age. Can you see that your works are important? What you do, the decisions you make, God pays attention to your injustices and your wrong. He chooses, He chooses even the extent of men's suffering based upon their choices and their actions. It is important. Listen, I would suggest that no man wants to go to the lake of fire, but if he were to go there, he wants to limit the intensity of his agonies. God is paying attention to all these things. So choose the right. It matters. Don't make excuses that you live in a broken world to justify your broken and unjust responses in this world. Do the right thing. Follow the dictates of your conscience. Obey them. It matters. It will matter to you. It matters to God. Here's the second thing you can learn from this. Learn to view people and individuals and live among them in light of their potential futures. People worldwide have the potential for unending joy and yet are facing unending sorrow apart from Christ. It's our duty to make known to them Jesus as Savior before they face Jesus as Judge. This has been the Bread of Life, a ministry of the International Outreach Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism and the local mission church Bread of Life. To learn more about our work around the world and how you can be a part of the mission, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.